everybody. Welcome back to the Strike Zone Podcast. I'm Ted Keith. I'm Steve Canella. Steve, today on the podcast, uh, we are thrilled to be joined by ace left-hander of the Texas Rangers, Cole Hamels. Excellent. You're going to uh, wear him out with questions? Wear him out with questions. We have many questions to talk about with Cole Hamels, including the uh, State of the American League West, the uh, Rangers' chances in October, Hamels' views on the difference between uh, Texas baseball and Northeast baseball, as well as what it's really like to try and get, not inside, but to just touch the head of Adrian Beltre. Ooh, jeez. Stick around for that. Yeah, stick around for that. <laughs> and then uh, Steve and I will come back and talk about everything that's been going on in baseball since we were last together, which was far too long, because frankly, now it's it's gotten real. It's gotten real. All right. Strike Zone Podcast starts now. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Strike Zone Podcast after a couple weeks hiatus for the end of uh, summer and a couple of vacation weeks for Steve and I. We're back and we're thrilled to be joined by not just any major leaguer, but the ace of the best team in the American League and a team that's going to wrap up the American League West here in a couple of days, Cole Hamels, joining us from Dallas on the Strike Zone Podcast. Hi, Cole. Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing well, thanks. Um, let's start right here. You guys are eight and a half games up in the uh, AL West right now, but the Mariners are refusing to go away. I think they've won eight in a row as of uh, the moment we're talking now on Thursday afternoon. I don't know that – I'm sure you guys were not coasting to the division title, but have you been surprised that you haven't quite been able to uh, pop the champagne just yet, given the huge lead that you've had most of the year? No, I think when we you know, first you know, started the season, we knew that Seattle uh, and Houston were really going to be tough teams uh, through the whole year. And, and so you know, this is uh, especially how we were able to uh, win it last year uh, on the last day. I think it's something you, you don't really – uh, think that anything's ever going to be easy, and there's no way a team's just ever going to hand you a uh, championship. You really do have to earn it for to the very last moment, and uh, you know you really have to give uh, Seattle a lot of credit for what they've been able to do. Um, you know they, they've got a tremendous hitting lineup, and and they're definitely getting hot at the right right time. It's it's one of those things where you don't want to uh, match up against those guys if they do make the postseason because of how they're playing. Um, but for us, I mean, we 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 have our goals and and. Uh, we know we have to focus on, which is to win ball games, because you know there's not only a division uh, championship uh, in stake. It's it's you know we're we're trying to get the best record and, right. and trying to uh, solidify home field advantage. Well, that you mentioned uh, some of the teams you might face, and you mentioned the Houston Astros a second ago. One of the more baffling statistics in baseball this entire season is that the Texas Rangers are 15 and four against the Houston Astros. What is the possible explanation for that? Do you think? Oh, man, I don't know. Um, you know, I think we, we're really excited that, you know, in the state of Texas, there's there's two good teams at the same moment, uh, which I think really has helped out. Plus, I think it helps out with uh, developing a, a really good in-state rivalry. Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing better than uh, having that in baseball because, you know, when you're able to uh, go to uh, either a visiting, uh, you know, stadium, city, and, and really see the excitement that's surrounding the games that you're about to play in the series and, then you have the expectations when they're coming into uh, your city. Uh, it just really makes baseball enjoyable. And I think we just kind of, we really do. We get ready for the games and, and we uh, really enjoy that. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, popularity and, and uh, you know, just excitement that are surrounding it. So we just kind of up our game and we just play the game of baseball the best we know how. And, 
you know, we've just been able to come away with more victories than they have. Uh, you know, I don't know. It, yeah. It's just kind of unusual uh, to kind of see that. A f- yeah, more than a few. I mean, this is obviously the Astros were a playoff team last year and a, and a great team in their own right. You came from uh, one of the, the, you know, sort of the peak rivalry areas probably in the whole country for Major League Baseball in the Northeast. The Phillies had the Mets. They had the Nationals, you know, a short ride away as well. And then when you come to Texas, and the Rangers didn't really have that geographic uh, rival the way the Phillies did, do you think the Astros and the and the Rangers now they're in the same division can ever get to a point that the Phillies and the Mets were at, or the Phillies and the Nationals were at, or is there too much history to be made up to make up that kind of ground, or would it take like playing them in the playoffs or something like that for that rivalry to catch fire nationally the way the ones that you used to be a part of were? You know, I I do uh, I completely agree with you. Um, in that area that actually does uh, take a huge precedence on those types of uh, rivalries and, and really, uh, you know, kids grow up with that. But I think nowadays with the media coverage and the excitement that we have with everything, social media and the type of talent that you now get to see on a daily basis, that's coming through uh, major league baseball. I think it's a lot easier to get that to happen a lot sooner than what, uh, you know, generation after generation of, of, of the dog fights that you would see between uh, cities and their teams. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing to think that, first of all, that the Astros are an American League team at all. That's still sort of a bizarre thing to get used to. But the fact that they're, <laughs> you know, the fact that they're, um, you know, making a, a sort of a name for themselves, given how bad they've been the last couple of years. But you on the other hand, you know, the Rangers now heading toward a second consecutive uh, American League West title. And for you, you get to go back to the postseason for, what is it, the 12th year in a row, the 13th year? It's like you're, you're the new Andy Pettit. You're in the postseason every single year. I did. Year. I missed a few years. I did miss a few years <laughs> in between. But I, that's, that's the reason I play the game. I mean, I, I really enjoy playing baseball. But it's, it's playing for the opportunity to be in the postseason, to be at that, that high level of uh, excitement, pressure, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're trying to last till the very end of a season, you know, you're preparing in February and, you, and you've got to last till October. Uh, that's, that's a, a lot in itself right there on, on, uh, you know, physically and mentally, it's just, it kind of, uh, just brings you for those workouts that you do in the off season, everything that you're preparing for, uh, to have guys on the same team that you have to kind of keep motivated. Uh, you have to be motivated yourself. Uh, it's, it really, you have to put a lot of credit to a lot of things that go down and it's, it's that much more enjoyable to then finally be in the postseason, And then whatever happens happens. And, you know, I've been, obviously I've been very fortunate to be on the better end of uh, a lot of uh, matchups and in, in series. Um, but it does, it has to go a whole team has to play and you have to have uh, the right type of luck that goes your way. Um, and it's, it, there's nothing better. There's, it's, it's hard to describe to a lot of young guys, uh, that haven't experienced that yet, that this, these are the moments that you play for. These, this is what you want to be in. You want to be in this type of environment, you know, sell out crowds, you know, the media coverage. It, it's just exciting uh, to finally get that sort of uh, representation uh, for what we get to do. Yeah, You mentioned the, the luck factor, and, and there's always an ongoing debate in baseball about, um, especially in postseason performance, is there, is there a clutch factor? Is there a clutch gene? Can a guy actually sort of rise to the occasion? Your numbers... And you have a, a decent size sample size. Of course, it's it's spread out when you're only making a couple starts here and a couple starts there. But nevertheless, your numbers are better almost across the board in the postseason than they are in the regular season. Why do you think that is? Oh, I, I you know it's it's a lot of uh, you know you you kind of practice uh, you know during the season. I've always tried to prepare myself 
for the postseason. I've always tried to uh, get myself ready uh, for October, and I think it's just that mindset that I have. Once it's October, uh, I click into a different gear. Um, it's it's something where I just my, I narrow my focus. I, I I trust what I have. I trust that everything I've done in, in preparation is is going to work out, and it's going to be the best. And and then I just let it happen, and I just kind of relax. Uh, it, it's really weird. You just I think a lot of people they. Uh, you know, you hype up something and then all of a sudden when it happens, uh, a lot of people are let down. And, and uh, I think that's just in life in general, but you know, for the postseason, you, you, you pump yourself up and then you start to take a step back and then you just let uh, what you've, you've done your whole uh, career happen uh, and not really uh, stress out about uh, certain numbers. And I've just always been able to do that. And obviously the numbers have come. Yeah. The numbers are pretty good. Now you were in last year's postseason. Uh, made a couple starts. You guys obviously lost in a in a five game thriller against the Toronto Blue Jays that uh, is memorable a year later, and I think will be memorable many years later for some of the things that transpired in there. And the Blue Jays are a potential playoff opponent. Do you want to play them again? Do you think the guys in your clubhouse oh, want the Blue be, uh, Jays again? No, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great for baseball. Uh, I think uh, the media would have a heyday with it. I don't know if. Uh, um, you know, playing in Toronto, the, the Canadians would, uh, would, would want to have that happen, or maybe they would. Um, but it's the energy. I mean, that was probably the most exciting, uh, most energy I felt in the game, uh, in that game five. I, I know there was a lot of craziness, uh, unusual plays that happened, and, and, you know, a lot of things were going on that, you know, we even, we were trying to understand, but the excitement from it was absolutely number one best time uh, wow. I think all of us have had. And we'll all, we'll all remember that. So if that's kind of what you want to expect, I, I guess that's the expectations that'll go with it. And, you know, who doesn't want to see that? And I know any athlete wants to be in those situations. That's a good, honest answer. So you guys are sort of over the Bautista thing or what? Are we expecting fireworks if you guys play again or, or what, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think for us, it's just going out and trying to win. Uh, you know, we want to be in a, in a uh, high pressure, high excitement level. And, and we know that, you know, the best team uh, who goes out there and, and comes away with the victory is the best team. And it's, uh, it's just a situation where I think we just really enjoy because of the talent uh, and the, and the leadership that we have here in Texas. Uh, you know, we understand what's at stake, uh, you know, understand what's going on. But we do thoroughly enjoy playing baseball. And uh, I think even on that side, they thoroughly enjoy playing baseball. And we just want to beat each other because we are. We're at the highest level. And what's not to enjoy that, you know, you get to do that against the best. Yeah. No, it's interesting. It, and especially to hear you say that that game was sort of number one for you. I mean, I just as a neutral observer, I've always thought the loudest I've ever heard a crowd celebrate was probably when the Phillies won the World Series in 2008. I just thought there was such a an emotional release maybe of a city that had waited so long. And since you were the MVP of that, <laughs> that trust me, that parade, that parade yeah. was absolute rock star. Uh, that was one of the best uh, experiences uh, that you really do see uh, what type of impact you actually make in playing the game of baseball. Um, and I think that's kind of what happens is, you know, when you're in it um, and you're winning, you don't hear anything. And so I think that's what uh, can kind of get skewed right there is, you know, we that's won, funny. which was great and it was awesome, but we didn't hear anything because we were so focused on each other and what we were able to accomplish uh, that then finally we got to realize what we really did when we had that parade. Yeah, that was amazing. And I got to ask you, uh, by the way, that sort of nucleus of that team has been broken up a little bit over the years and now they're coming down to the end uh, of Ryan Howard's contract. He's sort of the last guy left in Philadelphia from those years. Uh, what do you remember most about playing with Howard and some of those other guys in particular that formed that nucleus of that championship winning team? And, and what do you think uh, it'll be like for Howard if he has to 
leave Philadelphia as you did uh, a year ago, I guess, already. Yeah, no, it's tough. I mean, you're, you're leaving a place, a, a city that, uh, you know, really took to us, uh, accepted us, you know, gave us the best uh, that we've ever known uh, in the starts of our career. Um, the organization was, was great uh, to all of us uh, in trying to keep us together to try to rehatch what we were able to accomplish. Um, so, you know, it is. Ha- Howard is the last guy. Uh, I know he's got uh, everything's kind of, you know, bittersweet because you don't want it to end, but you understand that's the nature of the game. That's the nature of us uh, in general. We only last so long. Uh, there's always going to be a new group of baseball players coming in, but you know, we, we can't thank the organization that city had most fans for what uh, they gave back to us, even though we were doing something we loved. And, and uh, it's, you know, for all of us, uh, I think we're still happy that we get to play the game of baseball for another city, kind of start a new chapter in our lives. Yeah. But it is. It, it's going to be tough for the Philly fans because they've got a new crop of guys they've got to now yeah. get adjusted to. No, it's, it's you know, I, I, we've seen this with other cities and other towns, sort of face of the franchise guys leaves, and it, you sort of sense a, a void there. But now you've gone to Texas where you ended a long championship drought in Philadelphia. You have a chance to end a sort of an infinite drought in Texas because the Rangers have never won a World Series. And all we keep hearing about is the Chicago Cubs drought, and obviously with good reason, but... Two things. One, yeah. do, do players, uh, is there any sort of extra motivation when you're trying to end a drought, or is that just a media storyline? And two, do you think the Rangers, do you guys in the clubhouse feel overlooked, uh, if not for that reason, then for any other reason, as you go into the postseason, as the, the comparison to the Cubs, they're the best team in the National League, you're the best team in the American League, do you guys feel overlooked by that? Um, I, you know, I, I really firmly believe that, you know, there's, there's a lot of good teams right now that are going to, you know, get into the postseason, um, have opportunities to obviously end droughts, which from a player standpoint, we couldn't be happier. Uh, you know, that just shows we, it, it means that much more to the fans and, the, and uh, to the organization uh, to finally get something that, that is obviously uh, conducive to actually winning and, and accomplishing that. Um, we're just excited to be a part of it. I think uh, any, if you ask any big league player, uh, you know, your first goal is to always get to the big leagues. You want to play in the big leagues as much as possible, but then you want to win, but you want to have good meaning behind it. And when you get to play for a city that hasn't had it, uh, who's kind of suffered a long, uh, you know, drought, like you just said, or has never wanted a uh, period, uh, it gives us a better uh, purpose in going out there and wanting to do it for the fans, wanting to do it for the organization. Uh, and we get to enjoy it together with our teammates um, I think it's great for Chicago. I think, uh, you know, they've, they've worked very, very uh, diligently in trying to put together a team, uh, you know, from the draft, from, from uh, the right type of international signings, from trades. They've done a great job. And I think, though, Texas, uh, for the team, you know, now being here for a full year, they've done the same thing. So, right. you know, it's, it's, uh, it really sh- you know, shows, and you have to give credit to the organization and to the fans for sticking with it. Because uh, I can only imagine it is tough. Uh, you know, I grew up in San Diego. Uh, the Potters really have never won, so <laughs> I've uh, I've That's missed right. out on that in my whole childhood too. Um, you know, but it, I think it's great. And and for whatever team actually gets there, um, you know, you'd always want to have the perfect. The media always wants to have the perfect plan right. uh, for what teams they would love to uh, to actually have. Um, you know, I'm just hoping though. You know, it's it's going to be involving us, and yeah. and uh, you know we're trying to make that happen uh, for for everything that we've put in uh, this year too. A couple other things before we let you go. One, uh, we saw the Rich Hill situation. Since we've done our last podcast, we haven't been able to address this. 
pulled out of a perfect game uh, because of a pitch count and some various injury concerns. As a guy who's thrown a no-hitter and knows what it's like in, the, in a major league clubhouse, uh, in a major league dugout, when a pitcher has a no-hitter or a perfect game going, what did you make of that decision uh, by the Dodgers? Um, I, you know what? I think it, it's probably the toughest decision uh, that I think anybody could ever make. Um, you know, and personally, if, if, if I was in that situation and, you know, obviously with the type of track record that's kind of happened throughout the year, um, it, it's tough. I mean, it really, really is. I mean, I think as, as you get older, you, you learn to accept uh, certain kind of uh, decisions and, and you can live with it and you can move on. Um, but I know at those probably that given moment, it's, it's the most frustrating. There's probably a lot of anger that's probably involved because, you know, you are, you, you work every single game and every game that you start out, you're, you're trying to throw a perfect game. And, and once that then doesn't happen, you're trying to do the no hitter. And then, you know, you kind of move down a list uh, until all of a sudden the game's over and, and you have whatever results you have. But uh, there is always danger points uh, no matter what you do. And it can always lead into, you know, not, not necessarily the next game, but it could lead into an off month. Uh, further down the line. And I think if the ultimate goal is to win a World Series, which that is always mine first and foremost, uh, the personal accolades, you know, that those are kind of tough to uh, to kind of tell people about and try to push towards uh, because it is. Winning the World Series, if any, anybody that's ever done it, that is the most exciting pinnacle of anybody's career. Uh, and you, you will get more, you know, happiness and joy and, and you know, memories will come more from that. So it's uh, you just kind of have to accept it. And I think that's if I was in that situation, you know, the frustration would be there. But then I think you have to look at the bigger picture. And, and that's ultimately the biggest goal is, is to try to help your team win a World Series. Interesting. And, uh, you know, speaking of the bigger picture, I know uh, you guys have a lot of focus on things off the field uh, in your lives, the things that uh, matter beyond baseball. You and your wife, Heidi, have the Hamels Foundation, uh, which is involved with education, not just here in the United States, but abroad. So tell us about that and what are uh, the things that you guys are working on right now with your foundation? Yeah, we've been really fortunate enough to, you know, be nominated. Uh, Texas, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, stepping up and, and really, uh, you know, helping us out in, the, in what we've been able to do and recognizing us, uh, you know, in, in, in the Roberto Clemente uh, nominee. So that's been really exciting for us. Uh, we put in a lot of work, um, you know, and, and that's all, uh, I guess, purpose kind is, you know, we love that we have this opportunity, this platform to be able to help out. And, you know, it's always been uh, in our, uh, you know, beliefs uh, that, you know, when, when you're given a great situation, uh, which we have that we're very fortunate to play the game of baseball, uh, we understand that there are other, uh, you know, livelihoods that just don't have those, uh, you know, experiences or whereabout to be able to make it. And, and we want to be able to help promote that, help make it possible uh, for their dreams to uh, be accomplished. So with our Hamels Foundation, we really focus on education uh, because we've always firmly believed uh, in order to get somewhere, you have to be able to have uh, the knowledge and, and you have to be able to have those sort of resources uh, to get to the next level. So we've, we've uh, provided a lot of uh, grants and help in the city of uh, Philadelphia, where we were before. We're moving into the Dallas area. We're very excited about what we're going to be able to accomplish uh, with a lot of the uh, donations and grants, um, you know, scholarship programs. Uh, we're very uh, happy. My wife's actually heading over to Malawi uh, in a week uh, wow. to go see the school that we just uh, completed last year and opened up. So, you know, it's in its first uh, full year of, uh, you know, housing, uh, you know, teachers and having students come. 
um, you know, phase one was, was amazing. And, and I know we're going to be working towards phase two, uh, which has just been, uh, it's been a blessing. And, and I think that's kind of, we, we do this because we do uh, deep down love that, that we have this opportunity and, and we can uh, reach out um, and, you know, to get recognized uh, for it, uh, you know, we're not really searching for, for that. You know, that's not the reason we, we do anything, but it does kind of help the cause and helps all the, the people that have really helped us out, put in a lot of time and effort. Uh, so it really just kind of brings things to, uh, you know, a really good uh, place for all of us. Yeah, that's amazing. It's a, a great work you guys are doing. For people who want to learn more, they can go to the thehamelsfoundation.org uh, and check out all the uh, wonderful stuff that Cole and his wife are working on. And I think they give this award out, the Roberto Clemente Award. One player from every team gets nominated, and they usually give out the award to the winner during the World Series. So you might have a lot going on on that particular night. Uh, you could be picking up an award and pitching in a World Series game at the same time. So good luck with both of those two things. Yeah, that would, that would be a great night. <laughs> Last thing for you, if you guys are popping the champagne and celebrating, can you guys actually finally touch the head of Adrian Beltre if you're spraying champagne on him? Or, or will he you not know, let buddy, you do I don't it know even if then? really touching the head. I think we're <laughs> dumping champagne all over his head. Wow, <laughs> I think that might be better. <laughs> have, you ever gotten a, have you ever seen a teammate have anything quite like that? A sort of a weird um, uh, little... You know, I know there's, like there, no, there's guys, there's, there's certain guys that have their... Uh, idiosyncrasy, weird habits that they just, you don't want to mess with. Um, I think it makes it fun uh, just because Adrian's got a great personality with it. I mean, he really does. And so it makes it kind of enjoyable to kind of egg it on and he doesn't get too offended when you do. And then you can't really get offended for the, for the backlash that he's going to give you. Yeah. That's amazing. It seems like you guys have a great chemistry there in Texas with all those guys. I'm sure it's been a big part of, uh, putting together the best record in the American League and uh, soon-to-be ALS champions. So, Cole, thanks for joining us on the Strike Zone podcast and talking about it. I appreciate it. No, thanks for having me, guys. Hopefully I'll talk to you guys in a month. All right, will do. All right, that was Cole Hamels, ace left-hander of the Texas Rangers and uh, well-established postseason veteran, and you can look for him at a Game 1 near you in uh, Arlington, Texas, no doubt. On um, I guess it'll be Thursday, October 6th will be when they open the postseason uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and Steve Canella will be able to join me, and we'll talk uh, all things Major League Baseball, so stick around. Back on the Strike Zone podcast and joined finally by my co-host, battery mate, Steve Canella. Who are you again? <laughs> Hello, Ted. Hello, Steve. How was, uh, how was your vacation? Uh, <laughs> it was... Uh... It was back in July, and it was it was good. It was a oh, you week. weren't out on vacation. No, we, no, our, uh, our other podcasting reasons. has been sporadic lately. But yeah. uh, we're going to rectify that. Yes, a lot's happened. Unless after the next twenty or thirty minutes, people will call in and say, "Don't do that anymore." No. You know, you know what happened in the time that we last were together on a podcast? Um, it got real. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you kept promising it was going to get real, and sure now, enough. Now, it's, here it is. It's after Labor Day. It's after September. It got realer than real. Things are finally real. Things are so real. This is what the Major League season should be. They should start it on September oh God. like 10th, just go right <laughs> up to October 2nd. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. Don't anybody listen to him. How awesome would that be? It would be terrible. That would be the best 20 days of baseball in, ever. I'm kidding, of course. But <laughs> is he? <laughs> Uh, would be t- you don't think those would be intense games? I, I think they are intense games. They are exactly as intense as they would always be. Why do you need to not play the first four and a half months of the season, five months of the season? 
It's only, let's try it. How many There's games would you like out. in a season, Steve? Four. Maximum four. <laughs> uh, the whole season is no, a best no, of no, seven. No, 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 no. Um, All right. Well, look, it's gotten realist in. Uh, we might, it might as well be a twenty-game season, in exactly. Some of the, in, in, especially in the AL East. Right, because a lot of these divisions, all, since we talked last, have, have more or less been decided. We had Cole Hamels on. The Rangers are coasting to the American League Central. The uh, the Cubs obviously are are on the verge of clinching anyway. Uh, the Dodgers have a five-game lead over the Giants, even though they have six games to play. I think against each other head-to-head, I think we're going to call that one uh, safely in the Dodgers' purview right now. And the Indians are up six games on the Tigers in the AL Central, and the Nationals up ten games on the Mets in the AL East. So other than the Dodgers-Giants, which may yet become a thing, all the attention is going to be focused on the American League East, where the Red Sox hold a one-game lead over the Orioles, a two-game lead on the Blue Jays, and a four-game lead on the Yankees. And uh, the poor Rays struggling there at 19 games back. Um, and they all get to, they'll do nothing but play each other basically, yeah, basically for the next two weeks. So what is your, you know, what is your read on this situation at this exact moment, September 15th? Um, my read on the situation. Uh, are the Red Sox going to hang on or is yeah, it going to be one of the yes, outlier teams? I think they are. Okay. Here's why. Uh, I think maybe last time, did David Price, did he still suck last time we spoke? Has it been that long? <laughs> <laughs> David question. Price is back. He's, 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 he's back. That. He's, I've heard that before. He's he's looking like the, uh, the David Price that they lavished lavished that giant contract on before before the year. Uh, he was not that guy for the first three months at least of the season. Um, if David Price is pitching well, and if Rick Porcello, he uh, well he lost last night to the Orioles, but he pitched well. Um, that Red Sox rotation in a short series, both in a short series during the regular season and a short series in the playoffs. Price and Porcello suddenly look like a pretty scary, scary twosome. Not, I don't think they're I've ever not, been they're scared not, by Rick Porcello. He has not pitched well this year? No, he has. Look, are you a 20-wins guy? Like, that makes uh, all no, the difference? No, I know. He's had a lot of run support. And all yeah, I, I, I a lot get of run support. I get that. I get that. He's been very good, though. I'm not I'm not giving him the Cy Young Award yet. But who else in that division, who else has a top two starters that you would take over those two? Uh, of those four teams, they're Probably, let's see, who am I not thinking of? Unless you like... Jim you know. Palmer has retired. <laughs> Keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. That's probably the best one, too. But uh, I don't know. I mean, here's just sort of a, a mathematical way of looking at this. The Red Sox right now have a 65% chance of winning the division according to baseball prospectus. And they have a one-game lead. I wouldn't... I mean, this is... People a lot smarter than me doing the math have calculated that's what it is. I, I don't think that their lead is... Is a foregone conclusion. I mean, you answered very quickly. You thought the Red Sox were going to win it. I don't know that I, I share. I still think the Red Sox are just on paper after all this time, even as close as the standings are. I still think the Red Sox are the better team, the best team among those four. Well, I, here's are they a super I think. team? Are they the Cubs? But Absolutely not. I think that they're if they win it, it'll be because of their offense, not because of their pitching. Is that fair? Uh, sure, although their offense actually in the second half has not been at all what it was in the first half. Yeah, but it's still light years better than every other team in baseball. I mean, the Rockies are the only team that's even approximately in their ballpark uh, for runs scored, and because of the course field effect, you almost have to discount them. And then after that, it's the Cubs, and the and the, the Red Sox have outscored the Cubs, I think, by something like 90 runs. So it's it's just a totally different team that the Red Sox are running out there. I mean, they're putting out a you know 2004 type lineup every night, and everybody else in baseball is yeah, no, that's that's true, playing catch up. So. That lineup, I will give them uh, 
the edge for. But, you know, what's interesting about this division is you could still get three teams into the postseason out of this. This could be the NL Central from a year ago because the Orioles and the Blue Jays are currently leading the wild card spot and the Yankees are just two games back. So they have a good chance of crashing that postseason party too. What I'm hoping for is three-way tie for the wild card among AL East teams. Fourth AL East team wins the division just because that would be really cool. Wow. It just blew my mind. I think I did. <laughs> That's uh, what is what is Jaffe's J. Jaffe's phrase? Team entropy. Team that, entropy. That's, that's the ideal situation. Right yeah, right there. That doesn't mean that I've anything against the. You so know, what Mariners would happen? Three way tie for the wild card. What would they do? Uh, I think they'd have to have a tiebreaker scenario because you can't just do the postseason would start sometime in November. <laughs> <laughs> is that what would happen? That's how it's going to end in November anyway. So what's <laughs> um. I just think the Red Sox, they, it, it's not just Price. It's not just Porcello. You can, I'm not, look, I'm not trying to make Por- Rick Porcello sound like Madison Bumgarner of, uh, of two years ago once, once, once we get into September and, and October. But um, other, I think the Red Sox are the most well-rounded team we're, we're talking about in this group, other than maybe the Orioles' raw power. None yes. Of, none yes. of these teams has one attribute that you think, wow, they're, they're just, they can ride that, they can ride that attribute. Into October, they're going to get that. They're going to, you know, the, sure, the Orioles might hit 50 home runs between now and the end of the season, and maybe that'll win in the division, but I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. I think the fact that the Red Sox, their lineup is is, is a little more balanced. I think their rotation is a little more balanced than, than the rest of these teams. Um, I mean, the Yankees, honestly, they're, they've probably, they've been playing over their head for the last, over their heads for, since the trade deadline. I think that's, even Brian Cashman would probably admit that. So yes, it's a matter of can they can they keep overachieving for the next for the next two weeks. We're going to find out a lot this weekend. They play the Red Sox and uh, Red Sox. If they win three out of four, then Yankees can say goodnight. Probably. But, Ooh. Uh, by the way, there there's is... a chance that Gary Sanchez will hit 50 home runs this weekend, though. <laughs> so it could go either way. You know, huh? by the way, you know Gary Sanchez, who's been spectacular for the Yankees, and it one guy I just want to give a little shout out to. Things are not going very well for the San Diego Padres this year. They're in last place. Their general manager has just been suspended. But have you heard the legend of Ryan Schimpf? Uh, God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) No. Ryan Schimpf has played half a season and has 19 home runs and 47 RBIs. He's also batting two twenty nine, which isn't great. But he's basically, I mean, Gary Sanchez has a better batting average on base percentage. But Ryan Schimpf is being completely overshadowed by... Trevor Story and Corey Seager in the National League Rookie of the Year race, but 74 games, 19 homers, 47 RBIs. That's pretty good. That's really good. That's pretty good. Gary Sanchez has 14 home runs and I think 18 games or something like that for the Yankees. So, Except stuff. By the way, here's your answer. Are there, you eligible for the Rookie of the Year if the team you play for in San Diego is technically a, a AAA <laughs> team? Is that... We're going to find out. Yeah. We can look for those rules uh, right along probably somewhere on this page, which tells us what the three-club – tie for one wild card spot is their their designations have to be broken down then club a would host club b winner of that game would host club c to determine the wild card hmm. so one of those teams would have to win or would have to play two games potentially just to get into the, the division series yeah division series all right could be interesting speaking all right speaking of awards and sticking in the al east uh, where do you stand on these Zach Britton, Cy Young, or even MVP candidates? Uh, I think if you're going to win a major award like that, uh, first of all, Cy Young, no. MVP, no. Uh, he just hasn't <laughs> pitched enough 
you have to be so overpoweringly, overwhelmingly dominant that uh, nobody could question your value. And in pitching 59 in a third innings, I don't think he's been in the same ballpark of a conversation as some of the other guys. But, you know, that 0.61 ERA stands out for sure. The 43 save stands out for sure. Uh, that's not to take anything away from him. I just I have a hard time imagining him winning the Cy Young Award. Do we agree on something? Uh, yeah, we might. Unprecedented. Well, look what happens when you take a couple of weeks should off. We, should we dare attempt another one to see if you? By the way, let, let's let me go back to Porcello. Let's you know his numbers are better than you think. Okay. Yes, he's got the twenty wins. Yes, we know you know they score about eleven runs a game for him. We know about the run run support. Uh, leading the league in WHIP. Make of that what you want. FIP. Is three four five ERA three one two. That's not that's not that's not completely out of whack. Um, strikeout to walk best in the league five point seven six. Um, he's he gets knocked. You know he's been he's he's been he's he's been knocked for the amount of runs the Reds have scored for him in a lot of starts early in the year. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been getting that kind of support. I'd say in the second half when the Red Sox offense has tailed off. I, I can go out on a limb and say Rick Porcello is becoming the pitcher everyone thought he was going to be three or four years ago. Yeah, he's having a great year. He's picking a good time to do it. I mean, he's already signed his contract, but right. Um, I have nothing against Rick Porcello. I just think that he's... He's got the best... Uh, have you seen his hat? He's got the best He does have the best hat. hat. He's uh, uh, John Wetland is jealous of that hat. Yeah. That's how good that hat is. <laughs> but a 3.12 ERA and a to go along with 20 wins, I mean, that's, you know, you'd like to see the ERA be a little bit better just to... Leave no doubt about the Cy Young candidacy, but that strikeout to walk ratio. I'm not even putting him in the Cy. I'm not handing well, him the did, Cy Young. Not, I'm just not saying it to him. But leads. But forget about the wins for a minute. Leads American League in WHIP. Leads the majors in strikeout to walk ratio. He's already gone over 200 innings for the season. I mean, he might have the award locked up anyway. If he gets his ERA under three, it'll be really tough not to give it to him. Because by the way, 201 innings against 59 innings for Zach Britton. Yeah. Well, that's yes. That's not a fair fight. No. My point is. There aren't a lot of teams who are dying to face Rick Porcello in a playoffs playoff series. We'll put it that way. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, all right, let's dare to see if we can agree on this. We had, while we were gone, the Rich Hill scenario pulled from a perfect game after seven innings with 89 pitches because of injury concerns. Agree or disagree with Dave Roberts? Uh, agree. Ooh, me too. I, I don't want to agree, but... And if this were if you were doing this for the Padres, who exactly. really have nothing else to exactly. play for this year... The Dodgers desperately need Rich Hill right, the rest exactly. of the way. And, and this is not even a situation where he's like their third or fourth starter and you might need him in the playoffs. Like he's potentially their best pitcher. Right. I mean, it looks like Clayton Kershaw's back and healthy, and that's that's great for the Dodgers. But that start that he made came the night after Kershaw had just returned to the majors and pitched, I think, three innings. And uh, every other pitcher the Dodgers have used this year, including Don Newcomb and uh, <laughs> the Don ghost Newcomb. of Don Drysdale, <laughs> has uh, – come up lame for them. So they had to have somebody out there to pitch when they get to October. And so I don't have any objection to what Dave Roberts did. I feel terrible for Rich Hill though. You know, that's an unfortunate thing for him, but um, yeah, I wrote about this on Saturday night. It, it might actually wind up doing him a favor because if he's healthy going into the postseason and pitches well, he's in line for the only big contract he'll ever get in major right. league baseball. And a perfect game probably would not get him that. Right. Would not get him that. And Joe Sheehan made a great point about that too, that the uh, you know managers who win, perfect games <laughs> don't keep their jobs but managers who win world series do so that's hard a, to argue with with that, that line that's of a good point uh, the dodgers are actually going to be these next i mean what, what they're at they're what five games up as we as we as we talk now so um 
it looks like they've got that division salted away, but it's going to be a very, you mentioned Kershaw. This is going to be, the Dodgers cannot just coach through these next two weeks. They got to make sure Kershaw is pretty close to a hundred percent by the time the playoffs start. They've got to protect Rich Hill. Um, They've got to figure out a way to. Uh, it's been a bumpy year for for this young man. I think they're going to need Yasel Puig before they before it's I all agree. said and done. And they're going to have to figure out a way. He had a big home run in uh, Yankee Stadium the other night, so maybe maybe he can coast off that joy. For Is a it Yasiel your friend? Is that the the thing? Uh, You're a big hashtag guy. Yeah, yeah, that's sure. I speak in nothing but. All Dodgers number signs. All Dodgers uh, posts um, from now on should say Yasiel your friend because. Uh, He's gonna he's gonna be huge for them. I think. They're gonna have to figure out a way to uh, to, to Puig your friend was get that him it? back into the fold. It was Puig your friend. That's what it was. I gotta get up on my hashtags. It's a little keep this clean, will you? <laughs> uh, um, two sixty one average, ten homers, forty RBIs. Not bad for Puig. a guy who got demoted. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, so the Dodgers, National League, uh, Dodgers Cubs. Uh, is, that, is that our NLCS? Is that what we're looking at? Uh no, Dodger uh Cubs Nationals. Right? Don't the Nationals have to win a postseason series at some point? Theoretically. At some, some point. May not be this year. Yeah. But, um I guess I'll wait. wait and see if Steven Strasburg comes back before I pass judgment entirely on that. Um That's right, he's gone too. He's he's had his his, his annual his annual <laughs> injury problems. <laughs> Or actually, more than annual. Um, or Strasburg. All right, can I? As we we talked about the short season. Mm-hmm. It's, we're not going to have a twenty game season. Uh, another annoying thing, and what? I think I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this. And we the September roster expansion oh, yeah. issue that's been hit. But here's another. Here's here's the flip side of that, and this bothers me. The uh, the Billy Butler signing by the Yankees this week. What's your problem with that? You shouldn't be allowed to make your team better. No, well, I'm actually not sure it does make their team better, but you don't like they. You know, they sign a guy to face what I think they have six lefties in the next seven games or something that they're going to face something like that. Uh, you should be on the roster September first if you uh, if you want if you want if you want to play for the on the forty man September one if you want to play. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with that. This is where our our streak of agreements comes to an end. At a hearty two. Who did the Red Sox? They were talking about a couple years ago. They needed a starter on the last day of the season. And they were who were they going to sign for one day? Who was it? Rich Hill. <laughs> They've signed him a lot. That might, might have been his. <laughs> him getting hurt might have been the reason they needed one. Uh, uh, all right. Well, no. I mean, I just look. If Billy you're, Butler wins the uh, division for the Yankees, you're not you're not letting him be traded. So you're not letting teams sort of actively go. If a major league team says. We don't want this guy anymore, and he's a free agent sitting at home, and you want to go get him. Look, if a team wanted, if the Marlins wanted to put Barry Bonds in the lineup to bolster that offense that was sagging with all those injuries a couple weeks ago, uh, they could have done so. I mean, if he's if you're an employable major league player, then you should be able to get a job. If a team wants to hire you, I have no problem with that. You can put Billy Butler in that category. Country breakfast. <laughs> employable. Uh... Country breakfast. Many roster shenanigans in, in September. That's yeah, I actually heard a counter argument. Would they have? Would they the have signed if they had roster. to keep it to twenty five men? Would they have signed him? No. Well, then that's your argument against having a forty man roster. Not exactly. Against, well, not, that's not they against, go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. But it's it's not just the fact that signing a guy for you know, but for the idea, four days. In September, well, I'll say this too, though. But the reason you have the ability to do that is because you suddenly have this embarrassment of riches of roster spots that you can use in September. Right, but if you say, you know, we always say you got to set the roster before. If we make it before every series. 
then you can't do the things you do like for the wild card game. If you could set your roster for every game, you would do what teams do for the wild card game, which is give themselves you know fourteen pitchers because they're worried about playing a postseason game that goes. 18 innings and running out of pitchers. They're not going to have a balance that you have during every other game, but if you have to do it for a series, you might. Right. So there's an area to work that out, I think. It's been fun, though. I like seeing these guys come up and play. All right. It doesn't bother me. You have fun with your overloaded <laughs> scorecard. And <laughs> I always have an overloaded scorecard. Your roster full of guys with the number 84. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the Bat Boy? Enjoy the game. <laughs> what, what I mean. uh, all right, well... It's probably, it's gotten as real as it needs to get. It's getting real. <laughs> Steve, do you know about our uh, secret plan to uh, up the frequency of the Strike Zone podcast come October? No, it's a secret. I have not been told. Shh, don't tell anybody. Every day? Not every day. We can't. We gotta Twice get... a day? <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. Uh, no, but we will be, uh, it, because it's getting so real, we will have to uh, give the people what they want, which is, more strike zone podcast all right at some point we'll i like it we'll diverge a plan to do so but uh, until then we will take a full week off and come back with another edition next week um i just signed billy butler to do the podcast <laughs> next week is that all right <laughs> only if he brings a hearty country <laughs> breakfast with him then yes all uh, right uh until next time everyone uh by the time we speak again the al east may be decided yeah could be or we may have a four-way tie who knows um Steve is at Steve underscore Canella. I am at SI underscore Ted Keith. Our producer, John Taylor, is at J.A. Taylor. Thanks to him for producing. Go to SI.com slash podcast to hear all of our editions and those of our uh, fellow podcasts on the SI network. And check us out on iTunes and, and leave a review. Let us know what you think uh, because Steve faithfully reads all of your comments and responds to them by hand in the voice of... In my voice. <laughs> But if I'm responding by hand, they're not really in a place. I thought you might say Tom Brady. Apparently Tom Brady is out there calling. I don't, uh, uh, I don't do that. I do write handwritten letters to all our commenters. So, so, is that what you were getting at? <laughs> handwritten or like one letter at a time cut out from a magazine that failed. <laughs> <laughs> My dearest M. Smith 24. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And, all right. Enough. Ted, see you next time. Okay. Bye, Thanks, Steve. Thanks, everyone.